Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. Hi everyone, this week's story comes from Thistle and Time, Tales and Legends from Scotland. I always have a soft spot for characters who have a special relationship with their pets. And this story gives us an army of ferociously protective bees. Who doesn't want that? On that note, it's story time. The fairy tale begins by introducing us to the beekeeper, who lives alone in a cottage on the moor. He likes to talk to his bees, and they like to buzz to him. And even if neither party fully understands what the other is saying, they understand one another's affection. One evening, the beekeeper hears the baying of hounds near his house. He barely has a time to register that there's a hunt in progress on the moors when a hare bolts straight at him and launches itself into his arms, two dogs in hot pursuit. The beekeeper rolls with this, driving off the dogs and soothing the terrified hare before placing it on the ground. He expects the hare to be off in an instant, now that the dogs are gone. Instead, the hare follows him into the house and hops onto the table to look expectantly at his plate until it is fed a share of his supper. Up this close, the beekeeper realizes his new friend's eyes are a startling brilliant blue unlike any other hare he has ever seen. He also realizes that the hare is pretty much moved in with him and decides to roll with that too. The next morning, the beekeeper introduces the hare to his bees and both parties are very chill about the new living arrangements. The hare follows the beekeeper about his business and the bees go about their business and the whole thing is a little rural idol until one day, an old woman comes to the house to try and buy the hare. The beekeeper is instantly suspicious of her. He refuses to sell. The old woman tries to snatch up the hare by force and the bees are having absolutely none of that and swarm on her, chasing her away across the moor. Look well at yourself and your hare, beekeeper, she yells over her shoulder, which would be a more impressive threat if not for the apian army on her heels. Soon after, the beekeeper heads into town for market day to sell his honey and sees the old woman again, though she does not see him. He asks a friend who she is and gets an anxiously whispered response that she is a witch. The beekeeper takes that with a pinch of salt. He is not the judgy type, but she did try to steal his pet so he's going to take her advice literally and look well to himself and his hair. Months pass and all seems well. Summer gives way to fall and the bees settle in their hives. Romani caravan are heading south 
but few venture across the rough tracks of the moor when the beekeeper sees one close to his house. He comes to the door, waving to the young man behind the reins. It's hours later before he spots a sack of grain on the track, which can only have fallen off the caravan. The beekeeper decides he'd better get out his own wagon and go return the sack before the Romani get too far away. The young man he waved to earlier is startled but pleased at the kind gesture. We are travelers, he remarks. Folks don't have no use of travelers as a rule. I'm now wondering how often social injustice is directly referenced like that in fairy tales without reinforcing negative stereotypes. I think not too often, but I'm not sure. Though this book shows its age in outdated terminology, using a slur for the Romani people, all the interactions with their characters are very positive. Anyway, the beekeeper is here to do the right thing and has no patience with people who are not. He's about to head home when the Romani man notices the hair bundled up in his jacket. There aren't any blue-eyed hairs, the young man blurts, and since the hair continues to exist, he calls his grandmother for a second opinion. The grandmother comes out to look and promptly pronounces that the hair is not, in fact, a hair. It is a girl under a curse. The beekeeper connects the dots and realizes that the witch is, in fact, a witch. He explains how she came sniffing around for the hair and was sent running. Are you friends with the bees? The grandmother asks. I love them well, the beekeeper says. That they love him is not really a question, and that's lucky because they are pretty much all that is keeping the witch away. The grandmother believes that she will return on All Hallows' Eve, when her powers will be at their strongest. The beekeeper is firmly told to go home, explain his problems to the bees, and make sure he's not around when the witch rocks up on All Hallows. This is very solid advice. The grandmother has one further insight. The enchanted hair will be drawn by the witch's magic, so the beekeeper will have to do a fair Janet and keep hold of her, no matter what. With that, a round of thank yous are exchanged and the beekeeper goes on his way as a Romani go on theirs. The beekeeper goes home and duly makes a tour to his hives, sharing the news with the bees, who buzz with what sounds an awful lot like rage. On All Hallows' Eve, the beekeeper follows the grandmother's advice to the letter. He ties the hair to his arm and leaves his house, the door wide open, to drive his wagon across the moor. At midnight, the hare tries to bolt. The beekeeper snatches her back against him. It is very dark, but he can feel the writhing, wild shape in his arms, a shape that is suddenly much bigger than a hare. When the clouds across the moon part and the beekeeper can see what is happening, he discovers that he is holding a girl with bright blue eyes. The curse is broken. They immediately run off to get married and whoa! This relationship is moving a tad fast given that the girl has not had a single line of dialogue or even a description of her facial expressions at any point. But she has been living with the man for months and I have to agree he's been demonstrating straight A husband material all this time. A week later, 
The honeymoon involved taking the scenic route home. They're passing through the market town and hear that the witch was found on the morning after All Hallows Eve, stung to death. The beekeeper and his wife make sure to thank the bees as soon as they get home. And if they can't understand exactly what the bees say back, it's close enough. The end. I have a soft spot for fairy tales that involve bees and the folklore that's around them. This fairy tale appears to be based on the European tradition of telling the bees, according to which a beekeeper would notify their bees of major life events. Those bees probably didn't go murdering any witches. But hey, you never do know. I will always pretend now that when not making honey, bees spend their time fighting the forces of evil. On that note, bye for now. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review and like Woketales Podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories. If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media. Because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing. <laughs>